This is the Digital Savage Experience Podcast, hosted by Roman Prokopchuk, bringing you all things digital marketing, tech, business, and motivation. What's stopping you from becoming relentless in all aspects of life? Are you ready to become a digital savage? Let's get into today's episode. Hey everyone, this is Roman Prokopchuk and this is the Digital Savage Experience Podcast. Today I have with me Rob Cressy. Rob's the founder of Bacon Sports. Thank you for joining me today. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited to be here. My pleasure. Uh, Glad to have you on. So tell me a little bit about your uh, story, your journey. How did you get to where you are today? So for me, my dream has always been to work in sports and be creative. And seven years ago, I quit my digital advertising sales job to live my dreams. So I went from making several six figures a year to making zero dollars to make my dreams happen. Awesome. And what did you kind of do before that? Have you always been kind of in the space or were there other things that got you to that point? No. So here's the thing. I've got a very circuitous route to get to where I was in college. I was a marketing major, but little did I know that would be a fast track to unemployment. I was unemployed for a year and a half out of college and I was just dying for a job. And the first job that I got was at fifth third bank at a call center selling home equity loans. I had no email. It was the worst. I absolutely hated it, but It paid me money. It was like 10 bucks an hour. And remember, I just graduated from college with a marketing degree and I'm sitting in a freaking call center making 10 bucks an hour. And little did I know as I would fast forward through my years that that would really drive me to where I am now because I knew what I didn't want. So as an entry level person, I jumped from crappy job to crappy job that paid a little bit more and had a little bit shorter of a commute until while this is going on i've always loved sports i'm from pittsburgh originally and in pittsburgh they only raise you one way and that's as a diehard sports fan so what would end up happening is when i'd be on some of these jobs i would just be daydreaming about writing in sports and i would start getting freelance jobs they wouldn't pay anything but it's just freelance fantasy sports writing and i would start my own sports blog and i would just dream of the day i was like man Can you imagine there's people out there who get paid to create sports content for a living? And I'm not one of those situations where all of a sudden your your passion made so much money that you could quit your job. I was the opposite where I said, listen, I would regret it for the rest of my life if I didn't give it a shot at making my dreams happen. And finally got to a point where um, because of the success I had selling digital advertising, I had essentially bankrolled and saved a bunch of money for no apparent purpose. And I looked and I said, I can pull the cord now and let's do this. No, that's great. Yeah, I I had a kind of similar uh, start. Uh, I graduated in 07, 08 when the economy tanked, but uh, with a degree in criminal justice. And then like I was looking for a job as well for like a year and a half. And then the first thing was like $16 an hour. And that kind of got my foot in the door in the marketing space. And I kind of self-taught and then ran with it and i think kind of the strongest marketers are the ones that uh do it out of necessity and are self-taught and kind of in the trenches and love what they do and not necessarily because there's a lot of marketers and experts in a lot of fields that are uh, simply generalists and i mean it's cool to 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 talk 
and uh, you know understand concepts. But uh, it's it's really beneficial for businesses when the experts actually you know jump in themselves and uh, are willing to roll up their sleeves. Well, I agree 100%. And I think that's something that has served me very well as I've continued on my journey of bacon sports. It's like, why would anyone want to work with us? It's because we're the exact demographic that you're looking to market to. And oh, by the way, we live, eat, and breathe this. Like every single day, we create sports content. So who better to help you market to sports fans and create sports content than someone who does this on an everyday basis and really it changes the trajectory of your mindset in your life when you're purpose driven for what you want to do. I think back to the days of fifth, third bank or some of those jobs that I didn't like where you're counting down the clock. Like I'm showing up three minutes late because I know I can get by three minutes and I'm leaving seven minutes early because I know I'll get the, the difference will still be okay to get my eight hours. But then when you run your own business to do something that you absolutely love, man, everything changes. And I believe you want to work with other like-minded people like that. And I think you're starting to see this a lot more in the marketplace. Entrepreneurship is often glamorized a ton. Oh, you can make your own hours. You see people with Lambos and the in Instagram lifestyle and people don't really realize what it actually takes. Like when you really love what you do, you go to zero and then it becomes a self-discovery process where you have to figure this stuff out. And it's, it's what I wish more brands did because brands will tell you why they can't do things. I'm going to tell you why I can do everything because I'm going to teach myself. And I'm going to do it. I agree. And I think uh, me personally, at least, even if I outsource something, I at least get competent in it and understand it to a point where I understand what's going on and kind of the, the project flow and make sure that things are being done right. Well, yeah, I agree with you. And it's something that when I started baking sports seven years ago, I literally knew how to do almost nothing that I do right now. I knew that I loved sports and I loved creating. So I was a writer first. So I would write sports content, but then I was like, all right, I reverse engineered the success habits of the most successful people out there, the CEOs, the CMOs, the people you're like, all right, I want to be like them. And you start seeing their success habits and what they're doing. So I became a student of the game for personal development. And then I'm like, all right, well, I don't have the funds right now to hire a video editor or someone for Photoshop or any of this. So all of a sudden I learned Photoshop. I learned video editing. I learned audio editing. I learned throwing events. I learned podcasting. I learned how to be on camera. I learned live streaming. And it's that thing when you can have a constant growth mindset. And there's a great book out there by Carol Dweck about having a growth mindset. And once you have that, it almost becomes like Neo in the matrix where he's like, whoa, I can learn judo. I see the same when it comes to my own life and, and the skills that I can have. And as a creator, and I really believe that is what is a necessity for all brands or personal brands now is the ability for you to communicate in multiple platforms in multiple different ways. And for someone like myself, if you can create in all those different ways, you're going to win. Yeah, I agree. And I think uh, the thing that kind of transcends time is a good message and obviously great content. And then the way you package it for, you know, the, the attention grabbing platforms or where people are on the internet. So obviously audio is big, you know, that you can make a video, strip the audio, repurpose it. There's a lot of things you can do with kind of a one piece of core pillar content to really uh, make an impact for an individual brand or even a, a company brand. 
Well, yeah. Do you realize how simple you just made that sound? And I completely agree with you. And then you can go to some brands and they'd be like, there's no way we're going to do that. We don't have the time. We don't have the resources. We don't have the budget. And I'm like, I can't believe there's such a large percentage of the market out there that doesn't get what it's like to create multi-channel context. It's not necessarily hard. And that's one of the things that when I looked at the marketplace, there is big agencies that want six figure retainers and then there's zero. And it's like, well, where's the in-between there? Because you and I both know it doesn't take a $100,000 studio setup in order to create a podcast or a video series. All it takes is a little bit of strategy and some action. And I wish that more people took action and keeping this theme of content. I think one thing that I see is a huge epidemic out there is just putting entry-level people in charge of social media marketing or content creation. It blows my mind that the most public-facing thing out there for brands is seen as a, well, you know what? Anybody can do social media marketing, so we're just gonna hire an intern to do it. And it's like, holy smokes, Batman. Do you believe what you're doing? Like, just a simple act of creating social media content does not mean that you're doing successful results. That's just the entry level of we've created something. God forbid that you actually put strategy behind it and you really try and make this something that's good. Yeah, uh, I, I would not advise putting an intern in a role, even if it's kind of a social media management role. There's been several, several instances, like I, I believe there were a few years ago, somebody was um, an intern for Ford or the agency working for Ford or managing their accounts. And the guy forgot to log out of his personal account and they were doing some kind of like, you know, a drunk driving campaign and he tweeted something, I'm about to go get wasted or something like that. And then that went to the Ford account. So putting junior level people on important assets or assets that you should be treating as high importance. And if, if they're in a position and they're junior, they're gonna make junior mistakes. Yeah, man, that that's something that anyone who manages multiple brands via, uh, a social media automation or management platform. It's something that you have to be very aware of because it's as simple as the click of a button one way or another. And you're like, oh my God, I forgot that. Or you're on your phone and you're logged into like three different Twitters or like mine and the company one and one that you're working with for your agency. And it's, it's why attention to detail is such an important trait to have as a business owner or as for anyone really because you've got to be able to um, carry that level of excellence. And there's a quote that I always say is, everything you do is a reflection of your brand. So you want to make sure that your attention to detail is meticulous. Yep, and I think one post, one tweet can destroy a whole brand. So you can do millions of dollars of damage with simply one thing. And obviously it's not 20 years ago where you can make a comment and maybe PR wise, make it disappear somewhat. Now that kind of, uh, message or post or whatever is being put out gets archived and you can't really destroy it it's going to exist for all time pretty much well yeah i think that's why it's so important to be calculated about your brand and being strategic about it and i see a lot of brands that would prefer to then go with the inactivity they're like hey you know what we just won't say anything it's not going to hurt us now but guess what it is going to hurt because they're not thinking about the long-term play of things it's Right now, we're in such a short-term mindset culture. What, what can you do for me this minute, this day, this second? 
without realizing, hey, what's this going to do for our brand three months, six months, one year, three years, five years down the road? And it's why me as a creator, I've created over 500 podcast episodes. And they're like, oh my God, Rob, how in the world have you done this? One episode at a time. And you need to invest in building your brand right now because the brands who don't, it's going to be too late when all of a sudden, year after year, I mean, uh, a company like Sports Authority is a great example of this. They went out of business because they didn't invest in digital. They're like, oh, retail and newspaper, that's what matters. Until all of a sudden they say, oh my God, we're too far behind and you can't catch up. And it's why um, when you look at the marketplace, so much of it has become commoditized. You can buy anything you want on Amazon. So now brands need to give someone a reason to care. Why should I care about what you're saying? Because so often it's just buy what I'm selling, buy what I'm selling. If that is the only message that a brand is giving you is buy what I'm selling, you're gonna lose because I can just go to Amazon, find a hundred different sellers, I can get it at whatever price I want. But now if you curate your messaging correctly where you say, all right, well, sure, buying something from us is one of the ways that you can interact with us, but here's seven other things about our brand, about you, user-generated content, where you can feel our brand heartbeat. Now you can start to build a connection with the brand. Yeah, I agree. And I think that's why a lot of brands that were uh, brick and mortar disappeared. Like Toys R Us had a great opportunity to kind of be the industry leader for several things. But they, uh, I think back in the day, did a partnership with Amazon and didn't invest in their own, obviously, e-commerce and then in-store activities. So obviously there's a lot of things like Fortnite now, obviously that wasn't around when uh, Toys R Us was still kind of in uh, its peak, but they could have uh, created in-store uh, experiences like different leagues like Pokemon and like this is an exclusive thing you can only get in store or certain events for certain things and cover all demographics but they weren't thinking creatively in that sense and a lot of uh, brick and mortars there's no experience like you said there's nothing unique so you can just buy it either generic or buy it online from a competitor that's cheaper than another brand that doesn't really position why their brand or product is better. I just think back to when I was a kid and my feelings about Toys R Us. And this is like pre-Amazon. So going to the toy store was like the greatest thing in the freaking world. The opportunity, could you imagine if someone said to us, like Robin Roman, we're gonna give you the keys to the Toys R Us Instagram account. What would you do with this to integrate online and offline? My goodness, it would be so easy because what they've got is a, they would, should have had a community of parents and kids who love what they do. They've got Jeffrey, that giraffe. So there'd be so many opportunities. Like right now, if I were them, I would have created, like you said, an in-store experience where show what it's like when someone purchases something from Toys R Us. When they get there, when they leave, when they've got that Nintendo or PlayStation or bike or Pokemon or whatever. And I've got a phrase that I always use, smiles don't lie. And I can tell you as a kid, 100% of the time I walked into Toys R Us, I was smiling. Yep, uh, I think most of the time, 99% of the time when I went to Toys R Us, I was coming out with something because everything in that store is geared to, to kids. So, I mean, the parents forced to, uh, you know, hold back the temper tantrums and stuff like that, because if you don't leave with at least one thing, it's going to be a rough day. 
Well, yeah, and e even that in itself would be a funny meme of showing a kid throwing a temper tantrum and juxtaposing it for the mom because in marketing, you want to market to both the kids and the parents. And I think that there's just so many opportunities there for that brand to embrace internet culture. And I think that's another thing that I'd like to see more brands do is I'm a big fan of imperfect content. Uh, and what I mean by that is certainly, as you know, being a podcaster, everything that we do isn't always gonna be perfect. And I actually prefer that because it's more relatable and it's more authentic. And there's an element of branding out there that could be too polished where you don't feel the connection. You're like, yeah, I see it, but it looks like a, a really nice stock photo for your brand. But instead, I prefer something that's a little bit more, less po or a little bit less polished. And at the same time, I would also like to see more uh, creation of the internet. So think about how we consume Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and meme culture and things like that. Brands oftentimes work on the polish too much without working on the relatability side. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, the the imperfection of it is 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 what makes the brand um, because, like you said earlier, in social media, everything is is through a filter, showing kind of like the the best case scenario of an individual's life and like the best parts usually of a brand. It's not showing necessarily the people or things that are super authentic and. I, if I put something up, I, I mean, I've been playing around with, you know, personal videos on LinkedIn. I don't even put any video wrappers or anything like that. I just have a backdrop and then just say what I want to say or share and call it a day because it, it's more authentic than kind of packaging it in this thing where it's, you know, trying to be something more than it, it really needs to be. I agree. I think there's a time and a place for everything. And I like your mindset of not using the wrappers for video on LinkedIn. I'm I'm very bullish on LinkedIn as a platform for the last two years. I've been sort of all in on it in building my own brand. And the reason I like it so much is it gives you an opportunity to let your brand heartbeat shine and really rise above the noise that's out there. Even LinkedIn, even though it's a hotter platform right now, there still is just so much, let's call it marketing speak or the, the white paperization of the business world where it's like, boring 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 like boom let me stand out and create a video of myself one minute talking about how today's gonna be an amazing day or something like that just do what you can to let your brand heartbeat shine and, and give people that opportunity and then like we said you rinse and repeat because if you think about this over the course of years if you posted one video a week for an entire year people are going to get to know you a lot more and your awareness and engagement is going to increase. And what happens then? Greater opportunities to meet more people, potentially land clients. There's just so many more benefits that can happen. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. It's, it's, it's very important. So what motivates you to succeed? I'm self-motivated. And this is something that took a while to get to. And... I think back to when I started uh, my online advertising days and I was living in Cincinnati, Ohio, and I was trying to move to Chicago. I had got a job at Career Builder, and they're like, hey, we'll let you work from home in Cincinnati. And then when you're able to move there, move to Chicago, cool, you can do so. 
And I'd never worked from home before. And I was like, oh my God, this is incredible. I can do whatever I want. And no joke, on the very first day, and, and this is when TiVo was the thing, and this is probably back in, I don't know, 2005 or something like that. I was like, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna TiVo a soap opera. I was like, cause I can do what I want. And I TiVo'd a soap opera. And then later on that day, uh, it recorded. And then I thought about it and I go, what the hell am I doing? Why in the world would I record a soap opera? Cause I've never watched a soap opera in my life. It was almost like I became the lowest common denominator when all the freedom came there. And thankfully for me, it only took about three hours and I didn't watch any of the soap opera to realize, wait a second, if I'm gonna be successful as someone who works in home as a salesperson, then I need to create rules and boundaries and discipline for what I do. And just like that, the light bulb of accountability went off and it changed the rest of my life because I've worked from home since then, whether for a company or for myself now, and I realized that my success is entirely on myself. That's what motivates me. And that's why I've become such a student of the game of personal development to get better. Because I don't worry about the competition when people are like, so who are your competitors? I'm like, the only competitor I have is myself. What are the ways that I am limiting myself? What can I do to get better? So for me, I'm self-motivated because I know that my success is entirely up to myself. Yeah, I agree. I think it's very important uh, going from a office uh, setting to a remote setting, whether it's working for another company or yourself, because you're tempted to kind of go off, do other things and not be focused. Nobody's kind of over your back or really checking on you in that sense. So you have to have that discipline. And I agree with you. I have kind of, I mean, it's, it's a general saying. I'm sure people have said it in the past. I, I like to think of it as uh, you versus you. So you're not competing with anyone else especially in the setting where you're working from home, you're competing against yourself and kind of getting better each day and utilizing your time as best as possible, focusing on those kind of, uh, you know, margin moving or needle moving tasks. And then if you can, obviously outsourcing or delegating the things that could be, uh, you know, put back on a uh, kind of back burner to others. And that's actually the hardest part though, because you say, all right, I realize that it's all on me now. But guess what? We're still flawed humans. We're imperfect. For me, every day, my goal is to make today better than yesterday. So I set a very high bar for myself. I'm very routine and regimented in what I do in terms of reading, meditation, fitness, gratitude, journaling, stacking the things to allow myself to build a positive mindset. But the reason that I do this is because when, when you realize that everything is on yourself, You've really got to work on your mindset because mindset is what will help you succeed or fail. Because for all of the people who have quit out there, you know what made them quit? Themselves. They gave up mentally. And for me, I'm building this fortress in my mind and in my heart so that no matter what happens, I'm able to deal with it. And it's why I'm such an avid reader. One of my favorite books is Obstacles the Way by Ryan Holiday. And it's based on stoic philosophy and really what do you do when there's a giant wall in front of you? And it's like, well, the answer is you've got to find a way under, over, around the wall one way or another. You can't just sit there and say, there's a wall in front of me. I'm done. I give up. You instead say, all right, well, there's a wall. Let's figure out how to get over it. And then 
He also says, when talking about adversity, focus on what's in front of you, not the monsters that may or may not be ahead. Because so often, what we're experiencing right now, the pain of maybe you lost a deal or something's not going well in your personal life, we feel it, and man, it hurts so much. And and we can project out into the future of, of the things that may or may not happen. And it's very difficult to focus and say, all right, right now, I've got 30 minutes to work on this task. Remove everything that's here and just focus what's in front of me. And then you rinse and repeat that every single day. And it's not easier, but it gets easier over time. Yeah, I think it's that repetition and, and focusing on something positive. Like you can go the negative route, obviously, if you're depressed or something's go, going on, you can, you know, use substance, uh, you know, drugs or alcohol as a crutch and keep doing that and keep doing it and it becomes addiction. But, you know, addiction in the sense can also be positive or it can become a routine when you do positive things over and over again. It gets easier and easier. Like you said, that wall to either just go through the wall or, or get over it or whatever analogy you want to use. Yeah, it's why I very much have been someone who uh, believes in get comfortable being uncomfortable. And I do it by design where I walk towards the fire or the monsters when I see it because everything's always not puppy dogs and rainbows. And oftentimes, or actually I really believe that it is how you react in the face of adversity that will really show how successful that you're going to be. Because when it's easy, it's great for everyone. Oh my God, I love it. Business is crushing. But guess what? That will change. That's just the way that life is. So because of that, I want to make sure that I'm prepared because so often, once again, I look at the culture in the media that's out there. And one of the biggest challenges is we have so much stuff vying for our attention, whether it's TV, social media, your phone, like everything that's out there just dropping negative 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 look what someone else has look what someone else has and you going through a struggle or a journey or you you're trying to build a business it's not easy especially when you're doing you're living a life that's different than everyone else and that's why it's so important that you continually feed yourself with positivity and then get the right people around you in your support group that say listen I'm there to help support you because the rest of the world is not going to. Yeah, I agree. And I think a big key there is you're not going to get any better in complacency. So I think analogy I've used in other podcasts and interviews I've been on is, you know, a sailor doesn't become, you know, a good sailor in calm scenes. They have to go through the storms and kind of become battle hardened. So if you're going to be complacent and never, like you said, go towards the, the tough things or the fire, you're never going to be the best version of you. I heard a great quote that said, average is an addiction. And, and I really believe it because you know why? It's comfortable. It's nice and easy just to go with the flow and be like everyone else and spend money and rack up your credit card and maybe not work out today or tomorrow or a week and not eat healthy. And maybe you're going to eat two extra donuts. And, and it's these little micro actions. And I think for me, uh, a big game changer when I started my business seven years ago is when, it, when I became self-aware. Then I became aware that I was in control of every aspect of my life. And it wasn't just financial, it was everything. So like 
I all of a sudden became extremely accountable to time because time is the, a non-renewable resource. And quite frankly, it's my most valuable asset that I can't get time back. I can always get more money, but I can't get any more time. So when you live with this element of self-awareness, you say, all right, well, right now I can do whatever I want. And so often people live uh, in this routine of average. And my branding coach had a great quote that I've lived by. He says, live by design, not by default. So many people just live by default, jump up, turn on social media right away, watch news, go to work, don't like work, come home, drink some beers, wait for the weekend. And it's just this, this hamster wheel instead of realizing, wait a second, I'm in control of my life and everything that happens. If I'm not happy with my fitness, why is it? I haven't put in the work. If I'm not happy with my finances, why? I need to work harder. In understanding this accountability, like we both said about competition, it's you versus you. But that's a contrarian mindset. Not everyone believes you versus you because you hear so much of all the, here's who's holding me back in all of this. And people want to scapegoat for their lives when really they just need to be looking internally and say, what can I do to get better? Yeah, I agree. So what's one weakness that you may have had in the past that you've turned around and utilized as a strength today? It would be discipline. It's something that when I look at myself before I started Bacon Sports and started my own job, I was actually the most successful I'd ever been in my life. But I was also probably, I had no routine. I just sort of, life was good and I was successful and I wasn't necessarily, I was great at what I did, but I didn't have to work hard at it. And I was, I was always worried that people would realize, or at least the bosses, uh, that I was worried that they would fire me even though I was the number one rep because of how easy it was for me. Like every day I had this element of almost like performance anxiety, paranoia that like, man, is today gonna be the day that they realize this is so easy for me. But I didn't have any discipline there where I was successful, but I, I wasn't investing in my reading and learning and my personal development and getting my network. And I did a lot of good things. And looking at it now, seven years later, having read 20 minutes a day every day for seven years, I just see just how much different I am when you add an element of discipline to your life. And, and with discipline comes focus. And you can be disciplined about so many areas. You can be disciplined about your fitness. You can be disciplined about your positivity. You can be disciplined about your network and investing in those things. And I was living rudderless while successful, but now I've got to do north due to discipline because I've got a long-term mindset in everything that I do that the discipline helps keep me accountable to myself to allow me to be successful. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, discipline is, is very important. And uh, when you're younger, it's a little bit harder, not for everyone. And I think tied with discipline, I think my thing would be uh, emotional IQ. I think that's something I developed over time. And it's really helped me understand people in professional and personal settings and really get further in terms of uh, you know, deals or, you know, different projects where I know where someone's coming from a lot better than simply kind of reacting when I was younger. I mean, I think that's a no brainer of the century. I mean, 
looking at when I was 26 years old, I was a, a punk party kid sales guy who was the whole work hard, play hard attitude. It was like, this is the time of my life going out Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And I do believe there is an element of maturity that comes just from getting older. But I also think that there's a large majority of it where I've accelerated that on turbo since then when you become a lot more um, willing to invest in your emotional intelligence where you say, all right, well, I got to get better. So I'm going to start reading. So I'm going to start learning about stoicism and overcoming obstacles and positivity where you can start understanding more about the mindset of emotion and how you can control yours and or situations and your environment. Yeah, I agree. So what's one piece of advice you have for the audience, either personal or professional? If you ever, someone once said to me, and this is a complete game changer, Rob, if you ever hope to get paid to do what you love, you better be doing it already. So, so often we all have dreams and it's like, well, what do you dream of? And for me, it was being a sports creator. And my path didn't send me to Syracuse to be a comm major, to be an ESPN anchor. It was further from the truth. Like I said, I was working at a freaking call center when all I wanted to do was be someone who talked about sports for a living. So it's like, all right, well, how do you become someone who talks about sports for a living? Well, you better be talking about sports for a living, or at least you better be talking about sports right now. And by doing that, uh, I built this belief in myself. So that's why I learned podcasts and that's why I learned video. That's why I created thousands of, of articles and social media marketing and got good at building communities. And that's why I am where I am today is because I didn't take no for an answer. And even though I got started on my dream when I was 30 years old, maybe 31 years old is when I actually started and I said, all right, let's do this. I'm all in on making this happen. Burn the boats. There is no other option for that. Then you say, all right, let's go. And you start learning and doing. So if you're someone who has a dream of something, just take one step. That's all it is so often that people want to talk about doing things. Talk is cheap. What I care about is living in action. So be a doer. So if you want something, just take one step. You don't have to have the full solution. And I think so often people get paralyzed in how do I, and they think they need to know the entire landscape and every answer to everything. No, the answer is if you want to flip houses, what do you do? Buy your first book. That's your first step. Read one page a day. Do one thing. Do one anything that'll get you one step closer to your dream and then never give up. Yeah, I agree. And I think it's uh, doubling down on your strengths and your strengths that are tied to your uh, passion. So it's you have to kind of live what you say and not just say say it and not do anything about it. So if you want to be the best at something, you have to start doing it and then represent it to clients. I mean, if you're pitching, you know, you're the best writer, like you said, how many pieces of content have you written, types of content? What's the kind of engagement that it's gotten when you put it out into social media or in terms of visits to your website? What have you achieved with what you're willing or trying to sell to someone else? Yeah, I agree 100% and just start. Literally just do it. And it doesn't matter how old you are. Don't let any excuse stop you from achieving what you want to do. And this is something that 
a lot of people, including myself, you have to work on. Once again, everything that we say comes back to where we are now. If you want to accomplish your dreams and make things happen, guess what? You're going to have to believe in yourself and it's completely up to you to make it happen. I agree. So I really appreciate you stopping by today. Can you let the audience know how they can find you? Yeah, for me, uh, I've got a podcast called The Sports Marketing Huddle that takes a look at a combination of sports marketing, entrepreneurship, and personal development. You can check that out anywhere you listen to podcasts. Um, I run a company called Bacon Sports. We are a content creation company that helps brands build community and generate engagement. Uh, you can check us out at baconsports.com and you can hit me up on all social media platforms at Rob Cressy. Awesome. Thanks again for stopping by. Thanks for having me on. I really enjoyed this. My pleasure. This podcast has been brought to you by Nova Zora Digital. Find out how Nova Zora Digital can help your company grow online. Learn more at NovaZoraDigital.com. Until next time, all you digital savages.